Good morning to each one. The Lord bless you and make his face to shine upon you this morning. It is a a joy to be with you, to worship with you. Most of you I do not know, a few familiar faces, but we know we serve the same God like we heard about this morning. What a blessing it is to serve a God that desires our affection, our all, our worship, our consecration. I uh, want to preach you a message this morning. The Lord laid it on my heart a few uh, weeks ago. I did preach a similar message at home last Sunday and felt clear with sharing it here today. A message concerning God's, God's desire for us. Do you know that God is jealous over your heart this morning? God is a jealous God. He wants all of our affection and our love. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34 for my, for the text verse. Exodus 34 verses 12 through 16. We'll read this and then we'll, those of you who can, we'll stand for prayer. Exodus 34, verse 12. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods. And one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice. And thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their gods. And make thy sons go a whoring after their gods. Shall we stand for prayer? <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we just want to pause and give you the rightful place here this morning again. I pray that you would take control of these next minutes as we endeavor to preach your word. May they be your words, anointed of you, and words that would bring life to every heart and every soul here today. So bless the preaching of your word for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord whose name is Jealous. And as I I think of preaching this morning, I, I think of Jesus' words. He said a few times in scriptures, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. How do we have ears to hear this morning? How do we hear what God is trying to tell us? If you're here this morning and are hungering and thirsting after God, 
You're, you're saying, Lord, I need to hear from you. It is your heart to be able to hear today and learn. You have ears to hear this morning. You're at a good place. <clears throat> there will be many vibrations that will go forth today in your ear that you will hear. Many vibrations. I asked the question this morning, how many will we actually hear? May God give us hearing hearts. I think of a, think of a story I heard years ago relates to this. There was a, uh, a young couple that were married not too long. <clears throat> he was a pig farmer and, uh, they had their first, their first child was born to them and, and, um, of course, the mother's heart was after this child, <clears throat> and um, many, many nights were spent caring for this child. It would wake up and cry. In one particular night, <clears throat> the mother was having a difficult time. The child was crying a lot, and she was up, and time and again, but her husband just slept soundly, and, and it started becoming an irritation to her. Here she was, giving him her time, and her husband was just sleeping, not hearing, not catching those vibrations of that child that had a need. <clears throat> Come about three o'clock, all of a sudden, uh, out in the barn, a pig squeals. And just like that, the man jumps up and runs out to the barn. He heard what his ears were set to hear. He heard vibrations that he wanted to hear. And what he didn't want to hear, he cut out. So I just share that this morning, trusting that we will have ears to hear this morning what God wants to to tell us. God, excuse me, God is a jealous God. God wants all. God wants all of our love and affection. And that is amazing to me this morning as I thought of that again. Yesterday, we have a king, we have a creator God that has created such a miraculous, such a spectacular universe, creation. Trillions and trillions of stars out there that he created. Why would he, why would God be jealous over my heart, such a frail being like you and I. Why would God even desire that when he has all that vast creation out there that he can receive glory from? <clears throat> because we are founded in his image, beloved, this morning. God has created us in the image of God and he wants our affection. He wants our heart. He wants our complete consecration, our complete surrender to his will. That's what God is after this morning. Maybe you're here today. Maybe it's your desire, young person, to serve the Lord with all your heart. Maybe you're looking for an opportunity to to do service to the Lord. God wants a heart that is completely consecrated, given to him. And then he can use it for his glory. As we look around today in our world, in in the Christian world today, Yea, even in our own Christian, in our own churches, 
yea, even in Lancaster County. Is there anyone here today that needs to be consecrated to the Lord? Are you in need of consecration in your life? We are. God wants us. I appreciated that song this morning. Dead to the world would I be, O Father. Dead unto sin, alive unto thee. Crucify all the earthly within me. Emptied of sin. <clears throat> Forget how the, the rest of it goes there. <clears throat> A complete consecration God wants. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Psalm 79 verse 5 says, How long, Lord, wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? Have you ever been jealous? Has there ever been a, a certain thing or person that you have, you have had an affection for and that person or thing has, has turned that affection away from you and there was a burning in your heart? You were jealous for that person or that thing? God is desirous for you this morning, beloved. That's how God's heart burns for you. For your complete consecration. For your complete affection. Let's turn now to Numbers chapter 22. We have here the story of Balaam and Balak. <clears throat> I want to use this as a, <clears throat> as a foundation for the message this morning. Numbers chapter 22. <clears throat> Before I, before I read that, let me just read a few verses found in the New Testament concerning the character of the man Balaam. He was a very interesting man, a very interesting character. I don't understand totally his heart in what he did here, but Scripture does give us some insight. Revelation chapter 2 verse 14. Jesus says to the church at Pergamos, I think it was, but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. And then Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15, talking about Balaam, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Numbers chapter 22, verse 1. <clears throat> and the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side, Jordan, by Jericho. The, uh, just a backdrop of the story here. The Israelites had, co- had come to the J- uh, Jordan River to cross over into Canaan, and they balked at that, and now they find themselves in the wilderness and camping there. Verse 2, And Balak the son of Zipporah saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because the children of Israel. God had, had brought the Israelites from Egypt. He had blessed them. They were a consecrated people. They had the, uh, the power of God upon their lives. And they were feared by the nations around them, as we heard this morning in the devotional. 
The other nations feared them because God was with them and blessed them. Verse 4, And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zipporah was king of the Moabites at that time. And he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor of Pathor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against us. Now, I don't know. It seems like Balaam here was was um, a little bit like Lot was. He was camping right next to the Moabites here, even as Lot had camped right next to Sodom. And uh, it seems like he was there right by the river, of the Moabites <clears throat> camping there. Verse 6. Now therefore, now come now therefore I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I sh- shall prevail that they, that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed and he whom thou cursest is cursed. Here Balak saw something in Balaam that he knew that he had the blessing of the Lord, and he wanted to use this for his favor against God's own people. Verse 7, And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, and, and they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And we know the story there, just jumping down to verse 12. Um, Balak comes to Balaam and, and makes his request, and, and here's what God tells Balaam, verse 12. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam arose, and Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your lands, for the Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. And just jumping on down there, we know the story, um, how that Balak again comes with more noble princes and, and brings a request again. Balaam again comes before God and, and asks God the second time, God, may I go? What shall I do? <clears throat> and we know that um, the second time God gave Balaam the liberty to go. But verse 22, in ver, uh, chapter 22, verse 22, And God's anger was kindled against, kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for his for an adversary against him. And I believe here is where Balaam went wrong. He again uh, asked the Lord the second time for liberty to go, what God had told him not to do. And God's anger was kindled. And then we, we, we uh, see there where Balaam, Balaam's ass that he was riding balked, and, and, and Balaam got upset and smote the ass, and the ass actually talked to him. And uh, let's jump over to verse 31 there, chapter 22. And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And that word perverse means means headlong or, or self-willed. Balaam was a very strong-headed man, very self-willed. He wanted what he wanted to do, even against God's uh, request there. 
Balaam, Balak comes to Balaam three times and, and gets him to offer sacrifices to try and, and get the Lord's blessing upon the cursing of the Israelites there. But every time God puts within Balaam a word of prophecy, a word of blessing for the Israelites there. And, and Balak becomes very angry. If you jump over to verse 20, chapter 24, verse, verse 10. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam. And he smote his hands together, and Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. And jumping down to verse 25, the end of the story here. And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balak went also his way. Chapter 25, verse 1. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bow down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. <clears throat> so how does this happen? How does this happen that even though God tells Balaam not to curse the Israelites... Something happens here that the Israelites turn against God, not necessarily against God, but they join themselves unto the gods of Moab. What has happened here? I don't know exactly, but it seems like, according to what Scripture would tell us, that Balaam somehow uh, told Balak what to do to get the hearts of the Israelites uh, away from God. It says that Israel did not forsake God, but that they joined themselves unto Moab, unto the gods of Baal. Not forsaking God, but joining with other gods. And that was provoking to the Lord. God had brought them out, a consecrated people, to to, uh, be an example to the nations around them. God fought their battles like we heard this morning. God wanted to be their king. And here, Israel finds themselves joining unto the gods of this world, and God's anger was kindled. Psalm 78, verse 58, For they provoked me to anger with their high places. They moved me to jealousy with their graven images. God was moved with jealousy as he observed Israel going after the gods of, of Baal there in Moab. God wants us to live today, beloved, a consecrated life, a life that is given over to him, a life that is surrendered to him. Consecrated, consecration to set apart, to set apart for God. Are you consecrated to God this morning? Is your life given, set apart to God? I think of of um, certain things that, we, we as men have, I have in my shop, uh, I do woodworking and, and there are certain, certain things in my shop that I, I designate for this area only, not to go anywhere else. And, and even like you sisters, you have uh, certain things in your kitchen that is to stay right there. You would not appreciate if your, if your husband would take your best china out and feed his dog or something like that. It's consecrated for that specific area. That need, and that's how God wants our life to be consecrated to Him, 
for his service to God alone. God is jealous over our affection. I know this morning this is not something new to you. But again, I ask the question, what happens if we hear over and over again? If those vibrations come to our ears and we hear over and over again and fail to respond, our hearts become hard. That's a hard heart, my beloved, this morning. Hearing and not responding. God is asking us to be a consecrated people for him. I remember as a young, a young Christian, the, the longing of my heart, the joy it was for me to go to a church service like this and hear God's word expounded. I was hungry. I was, I was thirsting for God. And, and I, I remember those, those beautiful times. I remember, too, a time in my life when, when it was different from that, when life had become uh, a mundane, church service had become a, uh, just a normal thing, and I did not hear. My ears were hard, and my life was not consecrated to the Lord. <clears throat> I wonder where your heart is at this morning. Is your heart soft and pliable? Have you been sitting here for years and years, hearing the preaching week after week, and your heart is hard and cold? Beloved, this morning, God wants, God is jealous over your heart. He wants a consecrated life. Consecration, consecration will bring the blessing of God upon your life, upon a church this morning. The favor of God, even as the Israelites, God looked upon them and blessed them, and God was very near to them. <clears throat> A consecrated life. God is jealous this morning for your heart. I thought of Samson, and we know the story there. Samson was a a uh, a child that was dedicated to God from his mother's womb, consecrated to God. He took that Nazarite vow, that vow of consecration that that God was jealous for, and we know the story. Uh, how that he was deceived, and after he cut off his hair, that sign of consecration, he lost the blessing and favor of God and found himself among the heathen there, being mocked, being ridiculed, being laughed at. He lost the blessing and favor of God. God is calling us today to be a consecrated people, even like he did Israel. We are the spiritual Israel of today. God is calling us to have our affections holy upon him. And he wants to use us to be a blessing, to be that example to our society, to our neighborhood, to our communities, to those that we rub shoulders with. And then if we turn to the New Testament, we have these words in James where, where James says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses. And why does God say that? Why would God call his people adulterers and adulteresses? Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. God says that because he is a jealous God this morning. He wants our affection. He wants our consecration. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. 
touch not the unclean thing, and God will receive us. God is a jealous God this morning. <clears throat> so what, what happened there um, in the church of Pergamos, as we read there in Revelation chapter 2, says that uh, they had there those that were following the, the doctrine of Balaam, I think it says. So what was happening there? I think what was happening there is what we see so often in, in, in our world today, where there were those that were proclaiming Christ and also living in the world, proclaiming to love God, but having a kinship to the world. Communicating that idea, I believe, is, is uh, the doctrine of Balaam this morning. Being, wanting to have God and the world. And beloved, this morning we cannot serve God and mammon. Scripture says we cannot serve God and mammon. <clears throat> Even today, at times we hear the teaching uh, that you have to be a friend to the world to win the world. Beloved, that's false this morning. God calls us to be separate from the world and to live a consecrated life to Him. Not a mixture, not, not, not a mixture like, like Israel had there of wanting God and then joining themselves to Moab or to the world. God hates the mixture of hot and cold. He calls it lukewarmness and He says it will, He will spew it out of His mouth. God wants us to be a hot, consecrated people for him, not a mixture. <clears throat> so taking the, taking the, or allowing our life to become mixed with the world when we want to serve Christ is, is detestable to God this morning. It makes us lukewarm. And we are called to, to, to not only draw back from the world, but to turn from the world and to follow Christ and Him alone. A consecrated heart. John chapter 17. Let me read a few verses there. Jesus' high priestly prayer as we know it gives some instructions there. John chapter 17. <clears throat> Verse 13. And now come I... To thee, Jesus' words here, and these things speak I to the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. So we see here uh, a few things. First of all, that God has saved us. God has redeemed us to be a consecrated people to send us into the world, to share with the world the news of salvation, the good news of Christ. And how do we keep ourselves pure as we do that? Verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God has given us a tool this morning, beloved, a tool to keep us pure, to sanctify us, to keep us holy. That is the word of God. And, and so many times, I believe this morning, the reason we find ourselves lukewarm or not consecrated to God or maybe 
serving the gods of Moab. It's because this word has not is not what it needs to be in our life. We have lost the value of it. We have lost our affection for it. Jesus said, Thy word is truth. It will sanctify us and keep us holy. What a blessing we have there. So when Israel left Egypt, they were a feared nation. The nations feared them round about. In Acts chapter 5, verse 13, it says that the church, there was a church that no man durst join himself unto, and the people magnified. They were a consecrated people there. But when Israel lost their consecration, they were overrun. They lost the blessing of God. They lost their savor, as Matthew says. Salt without savor is, is good for nothing. It is, it is um, tasteless. It's bland. It's, it's worthless. And that's what happened to Israel. And that's what will happen to us this morning, beloved, if we find ourselves following the gods of this world, losing our savor and following after the things of the world. <clears throat> We cannot mix God and the world. It does not work. Let, let, me, let me read you a verse in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. You cannot serve God and mammon. God wants all of our attention. God wants our consecration. God wants all of our heart and not just part of it. Luke chapter 16 Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So the call this morning is, where is your heart? Are you following the gods of Moab? Are you joining yourselves to the gods of this world, as Israel did? Is your heart consecrated to God and him alone? God is a jealous God. He wants your heart. <clears throat> Let me just read a few verses more here in Luke chapter 16, verse 14. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and derided him. Speaking of Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. That which men highly esteem, beloved, this morning is abomination to God. We don't need to look far in our world today. We can see men that are, are wicked, men that are fleshly, men that do not love the Lord, men that are living in darkness, men that are unsaved, what they are following after, the things of the world. What, what do they esteem? Those are things that God hates this morning, that which is highly esteemed among among men, God hates is abomination to him. <clears throat> so when Israel joined himself there to Moab, to his gods, God brought a plague into their life and destroyed 24,000 of them. He destroyed them, a, a, a number of them. But today, beloved, a consecrated life brings the blessing and the power of God upon our life. May we long for that. May that be our heart's desire this morning. Not to follow the things that the men of the world follow after. Those that are highly esteemed among men. Those things are abomination to God this morning. So, 
as we think of a consecrated heart this morning. What should that look like? What is in a consecrated heart? And I trust that this morning we can become practical. Look at some things here. I have here, a consecrated heart is dead to sin. One that is dead to sin. Now you can take the... uh, some very tasty morsels and hold it up to a dead dog and what happens? Nothing. But that dog is dead. He will not even care about him. That is how God is asking us to be dead to sin, not to temptation. We will be tempted as long as we're in this flesh, but we are to be dead to sin. Romans chapter 6, numerous verses there. Let me just read them to you. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He that is, he, for he that is dead is free from sin. Dead to sin. Galatians chapter 2. I am crucified with Christ. Paul's words here. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. For they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and with the affections and lusts thereof. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Dead to sin. A consecrated heart is dead to sin. A consecrated heart has fellowship with Christ's death, or we die with Christ. We are willing to lay aside those things that hinder us in our race. There are, there are things that we know in our personal life that are neither right nor wrong, but sometimes God asks us to give up these things. Are we willing to die to them, die with Christ, be willing to lay those down for the sake of Christ? And they could be various things. Um, persecution. Jesus talks about persecution in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are you when men revile you. You shall be hated of all men, Jesus said. Being willing to do that for the sake of Christ. Uh, loss of life. He that loses his life shall find it. He that findeth his life shall lose it. Um, suffering. Paul talks about suffering in Acts chapter 9. The renunciation of worldly treasures, Matthew 19. For, and everyone that hath forsaken houses and brethren or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my sake, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Being willing to forsake all for the sake of Christ. Dying with Christ even to the point of giving, being willing to give your life for the cause of Christ, if he asks of that. Are you having fellowship with Christ's death today? Is your heart consecrated to God to that extent? We have, we have many, many examples in Scripture about men who were resigned in trials. I think of Job being willing to, to receive what God brought into his life for purification. 
Jesus, not my will but thine be done, he prayed there in Gethsemane, being resigned in trials. So what does a consecrated heart look like this morning, beloved? How does your heart look like? Is it, are you willing to unquestionably obey Christ, what he asks of you? I think of Noah, of, of Elisha. I think of Christ, of the Apostle Paul, counting all things for, for the loss of Christ. Unquestionable obedience is something that we find in a consecrated heart. It is something that requires whole heart obedience. God wants it all, not just part of it. God wants everything, not just part of it. Whole heart required. In love, in obedience, in trust, in prayer, in repentance, God wants it all. God wants it all for his service. And the consecrated heart this morning, beloved, it's a personal call for everyone here this morning. Every soul needs to make that a personal call in your life. God is jealous over your soul this morning, every individual soul. God has created you for his glory, for his purpose. And he wants to use you in his kingdom. Proverbs 23, verse 26. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's only our reasonable service this morning, beloved. God wants it all. And then we have many examples of those were consecrated fully to God in Scripture. Let me just name a few of them here this morning. I uh, think of Joshua and Caleb there in the Old Testament. It says that they wholly followed the Lord. In, with everything they had, they followed the Lord. A beautiful example of consecration. Is that where your heart is this morning? That's where I want to be. Wholly following the Lord. No reservations. Give it all you got. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, another example, listen to his testimony in Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained for me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I counted all things but loss for the ex- excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Entire consecration. Maybe God is asking you this morning to leave your home and friends, to leave your business for a deeper work of His. Sometimes God brings these things as a test of discipleship in our life. But if He does that, and if we yield our life this morning in total consecration to Him, God will reward us. Luke chapter 18, verse 29, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children. For the kingdom of God's sake, he shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come everlasting life. What is your goal this morning? Is it everlasting life? Is your heart consecrated to God? 
How can a consecrated heart that should be given over to love and service of the Lord Jesus, that heart that God is jealous over, how can that heart begin to join itself to Baal or to the gods of this world? How does that happen? We lose we lose our favor and blessing of God this morning. <clears throat> Just a few things here that I have that that are found in a consecrated heart. Number one, if your heart is consecrated totally to God this morning, your heart will be a contented heart. A heart that is content with the present in this present world. You know, if we go out into the world today, we don't need to look far again till we see what men are striving after. Uh, there is much covetousness, discontentment, pursuit of wealth, uh, of prosperity, of possessions, and uh, of toys. Again, Luke chapter 16, that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination to God. God hates these things. And are we finding ourselves at times pursuing the very thing the world is? In the world, there is covetousness. Ephesians says that covetousness is idolatry. It's another God, something that men worship other than the true God. Covetousness. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a blessed promise that is. Is your heart content this morning? Are you content in serving the Lord where he has you at this present time? Is he your object of affection, your object of love? God is asking us to be content with him because he has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. What a blessed promise that is. In this world, there is a great drive for success, for profit, for wealth. Beloved, this morning, that is, that is the gods of Moab. That is the gods of this world. And it is an abomination to God. God does not want us to join ourselves to those gods. <clears throat> Every consecrated heart is a content heart. Content with where the Lord, content with having a relationship with Jesus and needing nothing more. Are you content with having Jesus and allowing him to supply your needs? That's a consecrated heart this morning. Covetousness. Covetousness is in the heart of man this morning. It's a human heart to desire things. And I battle with this at times. Just the other, uh, I'll just share in my heart. Just the other week, I, I took, a, uh, took a trip to Ohio for a church brother and I got to run his new Chevy pickup, and that was such a blessing. But after I came back, I found in my heart, you know, I wanted one like that too. I just have an old Ford. Covetousness. God, rid us of that. It's in the heart of men. I don't know, maybe, maybe you sisters, you see a new dress somewhere, and, and uh, you know, you desire that. Now, because a certain lady has a dress, you want one like it as well. Covetousness. God, rid us of covetousness and give us contentment. A contented heart is a consecrated heart. <clears throat> Second or First Timothy chapter 6, Timothy or Paul says to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. 
for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. A heart that only wants to serve the Lord, a contented heart. <clears throat> Where is your heart this morning? Have you, have you moved away from your first love and joined the gods of this world? Israel, powerful, successful, blessed of God, until they lost their contentment. A consecrated heart is one that redeems the time. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. A heart that realizes that life is short. The time that God has given to me is a time to use for his glory. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. God saves us for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve him. That purpose is to be faithful where he calls us to redeem the time. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. There is coming a deadline, beloved, this morning when we no longer will have the opportunity to share with the children there in Lebanon or with the men at Pottsville, wherever your ministry is. Let us redeem the time while we have time and use it for the service of God. I'm amazed at how those that claim to be consecrated, how they are, how they can waste time, including myself. You know, we have all these gadgets and these things that we think we need to have. But, beloved, this morning I think too often they're nothing but a time waster. The men of, the, the people of Moab, they wasted a lot of time. I think they did. And the, the, out in the world today, the men, men and women in the world, they waste a lot of time. In fact, it is said that the average person spends five hours a day watching TV. You know, just a waste of time. And there are many things that are crying for the attention of our youth, maybe even us as, adult, as older men. You know, I think of sports, uh, Internet, Facebook, whatever you have, I don't know. Watching games, keeping track of scores, following teams, reading about teams. You know, what a time waste that that is when God has called us to be consecrated to him. He wants our our whole heart for his service and for his ministry. Redeeming the time, a consecrated heart. I think of of, um, my life as a youth. There was a time when I when I drew back from the Lord and I wasted much time just in pursuing the, um, the foolishness of the world. And I regret that today. You know, what an opportunity that would have been for me to take that time and to read the word and to, to know God in a deeper way, redeeming the time. Certainly that would have been. <clears throat> Sometimes we wonder, you know, what, what's wrong with doing a certain thing? You know, God, why would God ask me to give this up? This morning, beloved, it's not a matter of, of right or wrong as much as it is a consecrated heart to God. Maybe God is asking you to, to in a deeper way, consecrate your heart to him. And he, he's asking you to give up something that you love to do. Let us, let us redeem the time and allow God to do that for us so that Our hearts can be where God's heart is. Redeemers of our time. 
Another thing that I see in a consecrated heart is is one that is modest and simple. And I know you have heard this many times, perhaps. A heart that is modest and simple. You know, in Moab, in Moab, in the world, there's outward beauty, fashion reigns. Again, beloved, that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination to God. We need only go to our local Walmart and we can see where beauty reigns and the fashions of this world. Beloved, God is calling us to something higher, even as our brother shared this morning. A meek and quiet spirit in the sight of God is of great price. It should be in, in the heart of every consecrated child of God to be simple and modest in dress. And that not only goes for the sisters, but also for the men, all of us together. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, talking about the lamb's wife. Notice this. I thought this was very interesting. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Very simple, but very beautiful. Modest and simple. And notice the opposite in Revelation 17, verse 4, talking about the harlot. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. That's a picture of the world, is it not? Modest and simple. Where is your heart this morning? Is it consecrated to the Lord? Is it one of modesty and simplicity? Let's not join ourselves to the world, beloved. Let's join ourselves to God. He is jealous of our hearts this morning. And then I have a consecrated heart is one that is consecrated in worship of music as well. And these are all issues that I believe we face head on today. Brother John shared this morning the battle. You know, we're in the battle. These are issues that we face today. A consecrated worship of music. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There is a consecrated heart this morning, beloved. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Flowing from within. A heart of praise. A a heart of worship like Jehoshaphat. That uh, example this morning. Beautiful. How God used music. How God used worship to portray his power there. Worshiping from the heart. The music in Moab was much different. The music in this world is much different too. And we need to only observe again the music of this world. And that which is highly esteemed among men. Rock music, country music, rap music. These are all things that the world follows after. But they are an abomination to God. How can we who, pro- who proclaim to have a consecrated heart, how can we take the words of praise to Jesus and yoke it with the words of the devil, the words of rock? How can we do that with a consecrated heart this morning? Beloved, we cannot do that and worship the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Let me read a few verses here. Sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. 
2 Corinthians 6, 14. Paul is saying here, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 15 there is what I wanted to look at. What concord hath Christ with Belial? If you study that word concord, it means, um, if I can say the Greek word, symphonesis, I think it is, which we get our word symphony from. You know, what symphony hath Christ with Belial or with the devil? How can we blend the sounds of Christ again, beloved, this morning with the sounds of the world? We cannot do that. That is not, that is, that is uh, an abomination to God. I believe it is. What symphony do we have with the melodies of the world? God in heaven today is jealous over our affections. He is jealous of our consecrated heart. He is jealous that our heart would not join with the things of the world this morning, with the gods of Baal, those that are highly esteemed among men. Those things provoke God. God wants us to be consecrated to him. <clears throat> and I think of, of the beautiful psalm there in, in Psalm 133. We won't read that, but it talks there about the anointing of, of Aaron, the priest, how that, you know, the oil ran down, the blessing there. And then the last part of, of verse 3 there, it says how that this brings blessing and it brings life forevermore. Is that what you want this morning, the blessing of God and life evermore. God is asking you to consecrate your heart to him, maybe in a deeper way than you have ever done before. I don't know. You know your heart. God knows your heart. Let us not believe the lie of the devil in where he wants us to be a part of him and a part of Christ. Lukewarmness, beloved, God hates. Let's get rid of that out of our life. Andrew Murray said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is totally yielded to him. God is ready to take full responsibility for anybody that totally yields their life to him. So I ask the question in closing this morning. Do I have an ear that is hearing? Do I hear what God is trying to tell us this morning? In, in Yorkshire, England, the story here in closing, during the early 1800s, two sons were born to a family named Taylor. The, the older one set out to make a name for himself by entering Parliament and gaining public prestige. But the younger son chose to give his life to Christ. He later recalled, Well do I remember in an unreserved consecration I put myself, my life, my friends, my all upon the altar. I felt I was in the presence of God, entering into covenant with the Almighty. With that commitment, Hudson Taylor turned his face toward China 
and to obscurity. As a result, he is known and honored on every continent as a faithful missionary and the founder of the China Inland Mission, known today as the Overseas Missionary Fellowship. For the other son, however, there is no lasting monument. When you look in the encyclopedia to see what the other son has done, you find only these words, the brother of Hudson Taylor. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. The world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Open your hymn books to song number 507. This is a beautiful prayer here. A prayer of consecration. Written by Fanny Crosby. I think... I think uh, I'll just ask you to stand again and, and uh, let's, I'll read this song as a prayer in closing. And if you in your heart desire to consecrate your life to God, um, you do that as you feel, feel led to do. You want to come forward, that's fine. If you want to do it in your heart and uh, make it known to a brother afterwards, that's fine. <clears throat> let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray the words of these of uh, Fanny Crosby as she penned these words. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend, when I kneel in prayer, and with thee, my God, I commune as friends with friend. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the swelling t- narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me near, near, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me near, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. And Father, we want to truly see Jesus Christ this morning and lift him up as the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, you know my heart this morning. You know every heart that is here. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this place and that our hearts would be fully consecrated to you for you are ready to take any heart that is that and use it for your kingdom, for your glory, for your honor. Bless these words, Father, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.